Broadcasting by the sea in sunny San Diego, this is the Ascended Masters at Work show, where we lift the veil of mysticism and reveal ancient secrets brought to earth by the world's greatest spiritual teachers. Here we share real-life stories that change lives and widen our eyes. And now, here is your host and spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. Good afternoon, everyone from San Diego. I am so excited that we are here today because we have such a special guest. You're just going to be blown away on our topic because it really affects those of us in business. You know, I think one of the hardest things to do is to really get our hmm, our message out there. And I, you know, I can imagine many of you are nodding your heads. How do you get that message out there? How do you light your mission on fire so people start talking about you? And you can actually spread a word of mouth epidemic. Now, there are some ways to do it. And that is, you know, you've seen in the media, if you make a major faux pas, everyone starts talking about you right away. And, you know, I always say even... Uh, bad lip service is still good lip service because at least they're talking about you and nobody's going to remember what they said about you in two, three months anyway. So you might as well have them talking about something. And that's what a lot of the actors and actresses do. They do really stupid things or they get themselves in trouble or get they get themselves busted because it's the cheapest way to get into the news. So think about that. And then also, I just want to tell you, don't worry. If somebody's saying bad things about you and giving you bad press, don't worry about it. You know, I always say any marketing is good marketing because that all people remember is something about you, but you're not really sure what it is. And that's okay. So today we're going to have a lot of fun because we're going to learn how to set the world on fire with an epidemic of word of mouth. And this person I have so much respect for. She's a four-time best-selling author and an international speaker. And she sought off <laughs> she's sought out by entrepreneurs and large corporations who want to better understand how local word of mouth can suddenly turn epidemic. And I bet you want to know that too. Now, I've known her for a while, so I have a pretty good idea of what she thinks and what she's going to say. And that's why I wanted to bring her on the show, because it will make a difference for you, too. So I hope you have your pen and paper out, because you're going to be taking copious notes when you hear her. And she specializes in the topics of influence and success. Her name is is Teresa de Gabois, and she's a proven track record in understanding word-of-mouth epidemics. And she's taken three books to bestseller status in only eight months. Did you hear that? Only eight months. And I'm going to be hot on her coattails because you all know my book is coming out and I'm in the third edit right now. So we're going to be formatting very, very soon. And then it's going to be in hardcover. And for those of you who don't know, my new book is called Selling Through Your Heart. And it is a very heartfelt book. And it empowers you to build relationships for financial freedom. And I know she's going to have some great ideas to set the world on fire for me. Her, she recently released a book called Mass Influence, and it hit the number one international bestseller status in North America and Europe on the same day it launched. And Teresa teaches business and marketing courses around the globe, including teaching courses to startup entrepreneurs in developing countries. Pretty cool, right? She's also the chair of the Evolutionary Business Council, of which I am proud to say I'm a member, and she leads an international invitation-only council of speakers and influencers dedicated to teaching the principles of success. And that's what I love about the Evolutionary Business Council is that we all work together to create success for everyone, and she has these amazing online Zoom presentations that 
different ones of us get to present. And we learn new things just from watching this. And she's very conscientious about making sure that our community is in the forefront and really leading the pack. Teresa, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here with us. Charlene, thank you for having me. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're certainly welcome, and it's well-deserved. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm thrilled to be here, I have to say. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, you're certainly welcome. And, you know, I want to jump in and, and, you know, Teresa is a single mom and she raised two really awesome daughters. And I know that wasn't easy because she had her own business. Right, Teresa? It couldn't have been easy. (laughs) It was a journey, I'll tell you. But, you know, certainly one of the best, best things I've ever done in my life. I'm, you know, very proud of who my daughters have become. I know. And, you know, then you get to have grandchildren and that's where I'm at. And boy, am I is it fun. <laughs> Looking forward to that phase. Yeah. They keep me busy. <laughs> so, um, you know, you've often been described as someone who teaches thought leaders and emerging thought leaders to have a greater impact on the world. So could you tell us, you know, what brought you to that path? How did you get there and what made you think to move forward in developing the Evolutionary Business Council? Well, you know, it's funny. Your life makes so much sense when you look back on it, but um, it's hard to envision that you would end up on that path when you're looking at it. (laughs) You know, know, I'd have to say the seeds of me getting on that path probably started in the very earliest ages of my life because I'm the youngest of a really big family, right? And, you know, so like a lot of um, youngest children, you know, importance became a really important conversation to me at a really young age, you know? Mm-hmm. Some, you know, I, I had spent a long career in industry and just naturally being someone that pursued doing big change initiatives, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and then I did the end now for something completely different, which a lot of us do when we hit a certain age in life. And uh, I completely reinvented myself, you know? Mm. And out of that, you know, came this sort of desire to just, well, let me just lean in and see what else is there for me. Let me try on different things. And the interesting thing is when you give yourself permission to do that, pretty quickly you start realizing what you're good at and what other people come to you for. And that's really what set me on the path that eventually led me to founding the Evolutionary Business Council. Mm. And you are quite a leader. We should tell people that you live in Calgary, right? <laughs> According to my income tax, I, I've been affectionately called an enlightened gypsy. You know, I, um, I'm actually starting an intentional community down in Costa Rica. So I spend my, my winters down in Costa Rica, gathering a community of conscious people who want to change the world down there. And then I I come home to Canada in the summers, and I travel in the shoulder season, so I actually have one of those really fun lives that a lot of people wish for. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be here the end of September, too, in San Diego. That'll be really exciting. Yeah, yeah for our retreat yes. for the Evolutionary Business Council. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you, too. So I'm going to ask you, um, what do you think... Or how would you say spirit has played a role in your life? Well, I have to say spirit is really everything, whether or not we realize it, you know. And because when you really look at the roots of influence, you know, influence is really just your, your ability to have people take action based on your word, right? How well do people know, like, and trust you that they would actually listen to what you have to say? Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about mass influence, mass influence is all about, do a lot of people know, like, and trust you based on what you say? And when you start thinking about, are you the kind of person that's compelling enough that other people would listen to How connected are you to your own higher purpose is a really fundamental part of that, you know, and I I would define that as spirituality, whether you call that God or inner knowing or intuition or surrender to the universe, that ability to, you know, really trust that there's a part of you that goes beyond your thinking brain. You know, and there's lots of research to support this right now. The part of our brain that does all the thinking is actually a very small part of our, uh, of the overall matrix that makes up who we are as an individual. And it's a very small part of the brain. And so, 
you know, when we really think about how do we surrender to that higher level of connection, that connection to something bigger, which a lot of us would call spirituality, that actually is the roots of the tree that grow your influence. Mm. And that takes me to the next question. You know, thought leadership sounds so big and grandiose, right? But but what does it really mean at a grassroots level? And I'm going to go one step further, Teresa. How do we begin to develop that? Well, I love that question because it's true. Like a lot of times we think, ooh, thought leader, that sounds like that could never be me, <laughs> right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the average inner dialogue of most good human beings, right? And But when it comes right down to it, anyone who's pushing out new ideas and new ways of thinking is in thought leadership. So when you look at most grassroots initiatives that are going on out there are just somebody had a good idea or somebody wants to shift the way a community or a certain group of people behaves or thinks or operates. And all of that is, in fact, thought leadership. It certainly lives in that realm, right? And, you know, one of the really important things to notice is that, and there's a lot of research on this coming out these days, that the average good person has a lot of negative self-talk. You know, uh, Randy Gage would call it mind viruses. Um, Napoleon Hill talked about it in Think and Grow Rich. But it's it's all this, you know, self-deprecating negative self-talk that we do to ourselves. And it is going to flare up worse when you think about stepping into your own leadership and actually becoming the cause for something in the world. So the reality is, you know, most good people, everyday heroes out there that really want to create change, really want to do something different in the world, actually talk themselves out of it. And when you see amazing leaders out there, you know, the first thing you have to know about them is somehow they figured out how to master their own negative self-talk. Because no good person who's a leader ever believes they deserve to be there. Mm, okay, that, that makes a total, total sense to me. So answer that second question. If you can manage that negative self-talk, and you know it, we're all working on it all the time. There's nobody out there that doesn't have negative self-talk because you know every time you take something new on, your brain's going to be going, "Oh man, this is really hard." You know, you're never going to get this. And you know, I've found that when my brain starts to say that, I have to get up and jump up and down and say, "Yes, I can. Yes, I can," because <laughs> I feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin. I get so frustrated with myself. So how do if you once you control that negative self-talk, what do we do to get started as a thought leader? Well, actually, you know, it all starts with noticing, right? Like so you've got to notice where you're more most passionate because passion drives change. Passion attracts people to you, right? Mm-hmm. So the first step is always figuring out what is that thing you love the most that you would be really powerful in being a cause for change around that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that sounds that's kind of like heady and theoretical. But if you start noticing, where do you say things like someday I will or if only somebody would just like if you hear phrases like that coming out of your mouth, that might be the area that you're actually personally being called to create some leadership in. Right. Like I W somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in fact, I have a really cute story of how the Evolutionary Business Council started, which, of course, you know, as a member of the EBC, as a very well respected member of the EBC, I'm sure you know, Shirlene, that, you know, there's some pretty amazing people involved in the EBC. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it was about a decade ago, I was hosting a big event. And, you know, and I, I had invited all the speakers from the event up to the mountains afterwards. We were all hanging out in a condo up in the in the Rocky Mountains, just as a little decompression after the event. I just wanted to have the chance to have some really nice friend time with all these beautiful speakers I had brought in. And uh, we're all sitting around having a glass of wine. And I catch myself saying, you know, someday when I'm influential enough, I'd love to start an organization of people who really want to create change in the world so they really could support each other and assist each other and and really getting the word out about each other's messages. And uh, everybody I'm sitting with starts laughing. 
Like there's some kind of private joke going on and I'm the only one in the room that doesn't get it. You know, have you ever had that experience? <laughs> and, uh, I certainly have. <laughs> and I look over at uh, Danielle Gutierrez, who of course is one of the top Latino speakers in the world, and Jennifer Hoff, who runs a huge international training business. They happen to be two of the speakers that were at the event. And they both look at me the way a sibling would, you know, who's just trying to help you get the joke that you're like not it, seeing. Oh, come on, Teresa. Yeah, oh, come on, Teresa. And Jennifer <laughs> says, weren't you on stage three hours ago telling people to notice when they say, someday I will? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dan looks at me and says, so when are you going to do that, Teresa? Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> and uh, so it was very cute, right? Because those six people that I was sitting around having that glass of wine with actually became the first board of directors for the Evolutionary Business Council. That was actually the moment the EBC was born. I think that was mm-hmm. seven or eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all comes down to you'll never be big enough to live your own dreams. Because your dreams are scarier to you than they are to anybody else on the planet, right? Because they're your dreams. Ah, that's huge, right? Yeah. Uh And yet there's nobody that's better hardwired to live your dreams than you. So if there's something burning inside you that you really wish change could happen in that area, that you really wish somebody would step up and create a better way of teach better thinking, whatever it is, you're probably the best person designed to do it. Even if it would be messy, even if you're imperfect as a human being, guess what? There's no human beings on this planet that aren't. Right? That's absolutely true. And, and you know, there's another way to move toward being influential like that, too, if I may share that with you, Teresa, sure. and the rest of yeah. our listeners. Um, it's when you see, like Teresa says, if you see that there's really a need out there and it's something you really know how to do and you've been doing it well for so many years, people start to say to you, why aren't you teaching that? Why aren't you telling us how to do that? And what happened to me was I was watching all these entrepreneurs having so much trouble struggling to do sales when really it can be so much fun when you build a relationship. And I said to them, I could never teach this. I I don't even know how to teach this. And they said, you have to teach it because you're the only one who's doing it. None of the, uh, the rest of us know how to do this. And so I said, well, okay. Uh, You know, I never try anything. I just said, okay, I'll do it. And believe me, it was a hot mess to begin with. It was such a mess. And it took me so long to put it together in a way that could really, really make a difference in an entrepreneur's business and their life. And now it's to that point. But if the entrepreneurs hadn't stepped up and said to me, you need to do this, which meant they already loved and trusted me. Thank you very much, all of you. I, I, I would not have done it. So yeah, isn't that such a great saying. example? And go figure that you're now, you know, running a radio show that reaches millions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um, <laughs> yes. you know, it's so true. I, you know, I always say, give yourself permission to succeed sloppily. Yes, because you know, uh, the entrepreneurial journey, and even people like, um, uh, you know, the top entrepreneurs in the world will talk about this. That most entrepreneurs build the plane as they fly it. Yes, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. life is messy, right? But unless you have the courage to get out there and be messy, and who cares if people criticize you? Because people will. You know, there's always crabs in the bucket that want to pull the other crabs back down, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is that's where life gets juicy. When you give yourself permission to fail. In fact, one of the best things you can ever do for yourself is give yourself permission to fail spectacularly (laughs) right because if you don't have permission to fail spectacularly you'll probably never try anything that's nearly close to the size of your own dreams yes you know and if you don't have permission to do that then you're never going to be taking action toward the things that you really love you know and until you take action toward your dreams you're just dreaming right Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, not that I have anything against dreams, but that's not where life gets really juicy. Yes. And, you know, people depend on us to step into who we are also. And if it is messy, so what? You know, I, I actually gave them all the survey and said, here, mark this all up. 
and it was wonderful. And yes, I, it was a hot mess, and but they flew along with me. And when I say flow, flew along with me, I mean, I was just barely one week ahead of them when I was developing the course. Mm-hmm. And they gave me all the answers for what to do in the next course, which was wonderful. So if you have enough gumption and you, and you could take the criticism, go for it, you know, just throw it all out there and say, hey, I know it was a mess. Tell me what I could do better. Then it can only get better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, it's, um, you know, because I, I laugh a lot because as the youngest of a really big family, you know, my most significant inner dialogue that I invented when I was a really young kid is I'm too small to play with the big kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so ironic that I should become, well, in fact, it's probably that inner dialogue that spurred me to become someone who makes importance a really important conversation and that would become someone who's an expert on influence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, who could ever be big enough to lead the Evolutionary Business Council? It's a community of some of the most amazing, incredible people on the planet that are really doing some very cool things, you know, yourself included. So, I mean, I have to just, as is, I mean, you've often seen me do it at events where I walk out on stage and say, you know what, guys, I'm going to admit this. We're making this one up as we go along and it's going to be messy, but let's try it anyway. But it's really fun. And I love that you let us know that. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that the magic zone, right? Where sometimes yeah. we just give ourselves permission to try something and see if it works. Mm-hmm. And in the mess, you know, one of two things will happen. It'll be incredible and magic, or you'll really learn something. And either way, it will have been worth doing. And when you admit it up front, Teresa, all of us learn at the same time. That's what I really love about that. Yeah. Isn't vulnerability that place where people really fall in love with you? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like I used to spend a lot of my life worrying about being perfect all the time. You know, I, I you know, and don't get me wrong, I had a great job, six-figure income, working in Canada's oil and gas industry. And uh, I was always worried about what other people think and how I was presenting. And not that it's necessarily wrong to do that. So I'm not criticizing people who do that. But boy, that's not the place where you really live, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because it wasn't until later in life where I really started taking on my own inner dialogue and learning this whole transformational conversation that I started realizing it's in those moments where you admit your vulnerability and where you, you know, powerfully acknowledge that there's stuff you still got to learn, that's where people fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. When we come back, we're going to talk to Teresa about community and why it's so important to influence change. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Teresa Degrobois is a four-time best-selling author and international speaker, sought by entrepreneurs and large corporations alike, wanting to better understand how local word of mouth can suddenly turn epidemic. Specializing in the topics of influence and success, Teresa has a proven track record in understanding word of mouth epidemics. Having taken three books to the bestseller status in only eight months, her book, Mass Influence, The Habits of the Highly Influential, hit number one on the international bestseller status in North America and Europe on the same day it launched. Teresa teaches businesses and marketing courses around the globe, including teaching courses to startup entrepreneurs in developing countries. As the chair of the Evolutionary Business Council, Teresa leads an international, invitation-only council of speakers and influencers dedicated to teaching the principles of success. Teresa is also the co-founder of the Global Influence Summit. For more information or to sign up for her free newsletter, please visit Teresa de grobois.com that's spelled t e r e s 
A B E G R O S B O I S dot com. And welcome back, everyone. I um, I really want to talk to Teresa about this next step that I want to ask her regarding community because community is so important. And I love that my community members surround me. And I love that I can step into other communities and play an integral part in change and how the world moves. So, Teresa, tell us why you believe building community is so important to influencing change. Well, community is really everything, right? And it all stems from the whole notion that you can't make yourself famous. You know, you Mm -hmm. can only give influence to other people and they can give it back to you. Mm -hmm. So when you have a community around you of people who know, like, and trust you, people who will take action based on what you say, then you have the ability to, to not only teach higher principles to that community, but you have the ability to put other people's good work in front of your community. You can use your community to be giving influence out all the time. You know, you know, another way to look at that is, you know, for example, a lot of entrepreneurs mistake the notion that they think their social media is for them to market their own stuff to. Mm -hmm. And the reality is your social media isn't nearly as effective as marketing as you. It's more like the apple pie. You take the new neighbor when you want to meet the neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. When you put other influential people in front of your social media, now you have the ability to build relationship with those other influential people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I read your book, Math Influence, the Habits of Highly Influential, of the Highly Influential. And, you know, I want you to share with everybody what what it is that you say in your book about creating buzz, starting that on fire, just getting word of mouth going. Give us maybe two or three little ideas that we could take away and use today. Yeah, well, I love using the analogy of wildfire to talk about what creates word of mouth epidemics because it's easy for people to remember then, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a word of, mouth, word of mouth epidemic or how a wildfire would start, it all comes down to three elements, right? A spark to ignite the fire, fuel to have the fire burn, and wind to spread the flames, right? Mm-hmm. So the spark is what's that really big idea you have? Or another way of saying that is what problem do you solve for the world? And the bigger the problem you solve, the easier it is for that wildfire to ignite, right? A lot of entrepreneurs make the make the mistake of thinking they'll practice at, at business. They'll just do something really small that nobody cares about, but then they'll learn business principles. Small is not easier, Small is harder because if nobody cares about what you're doing, nobody's going to buy from you, right? Exactly. Yes. Whereas when you stand for being the big solution to someone else's problem, that's the kind of spark that really ignites wildfires. Mm-hmm. And the only one of the only ways you can do that is to get out there and really be visible and start speaking your mission. That's huge. Absolutely. I, I work with so many entrepreneurs and talk to so many entrepreneurs who have a great passion, but they don't have enough gumption to step into who they are. And yeah. that is really, really important because, you know, we are only here once that we know of. And if we don't really make an impact in other people's lives, then we've wasted our own. That's how I see it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, interesting that you would mention passion, too, because passion's the fuel in the wildfire. Mm-hmm. right? The more passionate you are, the more people are drawn to what you do and the more they want to help you. You know, when we think of icons like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., well, he stood in the biggest problem going on on the planet at the time, which was racial inequality. And he was so passionate about it that people just lined up to try and help him. It's you know? amazing how that works. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And if you have enough gumption to actually say what it is you're passionate about and not, there's always going to be naysayers out there. There's always going to be people who are negative about what it is you're saying or what it is you're doing or how you do it. But who cares? 
you know, who cares? In fact, those naysayers are almost a signpost that you're doing something worthwhile. (laughs) That's right. You know, because the the more you stand for change, change makes people uncomfortable, right? So those people that you're pushing out of their comfort zone, some of them are going to start throwing rocks and naysaying. I mean, you know, the worst case scenarios of that are people like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or Gandhi who got shot for what they stood for, right? Mm -hmm. But in a way... That's simply an indication of how much your life is mattering now if people start slinging mud at you. Hmm, that's a good point right there. That shows how much what you're doing is mattering when people start slinging mud at you. That's awesome. (laughs) Then you know you're really making an impact, right, Teresa? Yeah, absolutely. You know, sorry, go go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to add, you know, when you really think about it, having the courage to stand for change, one of the reasons our inner dialogue flares up and tells us not to do that is because you're going to be pushing people outside their comfort zone and there is going to be a reaction, right? Absolutely. So one of the reasons it makes it so difficult for most people to step into leadership or step into influence is Because we know in society that people do like to take shots at leaders. And whether you're talking about a leader in a big corporation where everybody's like, oh, they're so arrogant or they think they're so important because they won't go for coffee with me anymore or whatever. You know, it's easy for people to step into that naysayer role and lose empathy for what that leader's going through. So as human beings, we know that's the case. It's part of what generates our fear of actually stepping into our own dreams of having a life of meaning and a life of contribution. Mm, That's very well said. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. So what do you think, excuse me, what do you think is the biggest mistake you see conscious entrepreneurs make when they approach community building? You know, I would, I would say the biggest mistake I see people make is that they think they need that a community equals a building, for example. Like, so a lot of entrepreneurs think, okay, I want to start a business or I want to build a community. The first thing I need to do is buy a building or buy a piece of land or whatever that might look like, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is it's far easier to gather the people first and then figure out what a physical meeting space might look like. Because it's in this day and age especially, it's super easy to meet online or to create events where people would gather, where you really only need to worry about where they're gathering for the space of that two or three days, right? One of the reasons with the Evolutionary Business Council that we built it up initially as an online community that evolved into a community that then meets for retreats and big events And now as the community is becoming really successful, some of our members came out and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we actually had a physical uh, place that we all kind of came home to? And therefore, the idea of creating an intentional community that our members might share with the world, you know, the, the Vista Mundo community that we're creating in Costa Rica, that evolved out of that. But Vista Mundo came last. We didn't say, oh, let's create a retreat center and an intentional community, and then let's find all the people that would want to do that. No, we found all the like-minded people, and then the physical manifestation of what we're doing created itself, right? So I think the biggest mistake people make is that they almost put that in the wrong order. Build the relationships first, then worry about how you house it. And that makes perfect sense because it saves a lot of money, too. And then everybody is moving in the same direction instead of trying to uh, build it. What is it? What did they say in that movie? If you build it, they will come. come. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's it's not that that's not true, right? Because if you build it doesn't necessarily mean if you build the physical Mm-hmm. Right. And when you think about what Field of Dreams is the movie we're referring to, if anybody's Thank not you. following, you you know, <laughs> you know, we're probably showing our age here. Right. You know, we're in the 50 plus <laughs> set if we remember the movie Field of Dreams. Uh-huh. But if you haven't watched the movie Field of Dreams, you know, it's got a very spiritual theme. And it's more about if you build the community that loves what we're doing, then all of these amazing, great baseball players will then show up. And it was all happened in the spiritual realm. When, if you go back and watch the movie, mm-hmm. it's a very, That's it's right. an interesting movie, right? Mm-hmm. 
But it was less about him, actually, it's, it's a baseball movie, believe it or not. Anybody who hasn't seen the movie is going to think I'm crazy the way I'm talking about this. <laughs> but it wasn't about him physically building the ball diamond so much. It was, it was about him gathering the people who had a belief in something bigger than themselves. That's and what I If You Build meant. Yeah. That's what the EBCs, the Evolutionary Business Council, is all about, too. In a way, yeah. You know, and it's if you build the community, more community will come is really what that means, right? Mm-hmm. If you stand in the space, if you build the vision, if you, if you create this context for how the world could be different, mm-hmm. you know, when the, when the EBC really took off, when we, um, we had a, a brainstorm amongst some of our most senior members as to what could be the goal of our organization, what would we stand for? And we had this beautiful, miraculous session of like, let's just stand in outrageous possibility, And, you know, out of that conversation, some of the people started saying, well, what if we stood for that the EBC was actually the tipping point for planet Earth, that people on Earth would start to be more conscious and think differently? And what might that create on the planet? You know, if we were all starting to be aware that we all have negative self-talk and sometimes that negative self-talk runs the show and that can create wars and spousal abuse and you know, poor health and all kinds of ills on our planet, right? That's the source Mm -hmm. of a lot of ills throughout the world. That's right. Yes. And so out of that conversation, the EBC created a goal that what if we we stood that transformational principles would reach 1.2 billion people by the year 2020 by helping 1,200 emerging thought leaders each reach a million people. And, and that sounds kind of like, whoa, how did they come up with those numbers? But what those numbers represented was 1.2 billion represents 15% of the global population in the year 2020. In communication theory, that would represent the tipping point. In other words, if you can get 15% of any population to think a certain way, eventually the rest will follow mm-hmm. in communication theory, right? Absolutely. And, and so, you know, the 1,200 thought leaders, each reaching a million, just created, okay, how would we get to 1.2 billion, right? And, and so it's funny because when we did that, suddenly it became tangible what we were up to. Okay, we're the community where we actually talk about what are the norms and the etiquette of dealing with the highly influential, especially for people who want to be the cause of change on this planet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the reality is a lot of us learn one set of etiquette or rules when we first start business. We, we might say that's aligned with good networking, right? Like you <laughs> might go to networking yes. events and you learn things like it's a good idea to buy a colleague a coffee, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then, you know, you only have to try and phone up the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and ask to buy them a coffee. And faster than you can say gatekeeper, you suddenly <laughs> learn that... You know, the highly influential play by a different set of rules, right? And there's norms of the industry for how they normally play. And if you don't know those norms, it's harder to get traction around what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I were even chatting about a couple of of them right before the call, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so a lot of what goes on in the EBC is sometimes there's newer people in the industry and they just don't understand how those norms normally operate. And so communication breakdown happens. It's no big deal. We just talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of people, you know, fall into, this is where inner dialogue can stop people too because somehow they think, ooh, we better not talk about it. We, we don't want them to feel bad. We don't want them to know they, you know, and I don't even want to use the word mistake because it's not like it's a mistake. Is it a mistake to dri- dribble the basketball? Well, it isn't unless you're on the hockey rink. You, you get what I'm saying? So. <laughs> Yes. It's not like, you know, everything is only a mistake in a certain context and it's powerful in another context, right? Yes. Yeah. But, you know, basically we needed to create an environment where that conversation could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. and so that's where, you know, creating this outrageous, big, hairy vision for yourself can really make the difference between, you know, whether or not you can get somewhere and whether or not you gather the right people toward you that will help you. And, you know, creating a big, hairy vision is one thing, but another thing is speaking it out loud. You really have to make an impact when you speak about it. And that's when you have to show your passion. And as you always say, Teresa, authenticity. You know, I know you talk about authenticity a lot. 
So how much do you think authenticity plays into this? Oh, authenticity is so paramount to this, you know. And I love that you talk about the courage of speaking it out loud, right? I was chuckling when you said that because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm too small to play with the big kids. You want to <laughs> see my inner dialogue flare up when I say 1.2 billion by the year 2020, right? Uh-huh. Um, I have to calm down. You know, I call my inner child little Tessie because she's the one that created all that early dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to help her calm down and give her a new role. You know, like little Tessie's role now is she gets to be in charge of fun, not in charge of what I do in my life. Yes, you know? that may, and, but you know where to draw the line, right? You know Absolutely. when she's taking over. And, and I think that's a big part of it yeah. is actually noticing when little Tessie steps in because so many times we're unconscious and we don't think about it and it just takes over right away without our uh, without our saying, hey, wait a minute, you just stepped out of the fun department. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's authenticity in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and I talk about this in my book, Mass Influence. Right. There's a lot of different definitions of authenticity out there. Mine is authenticity is just your inside voice saying the same thing as your outside voice. Right. In other words, mm-hmm. what you're thinking and what you're saying and doing are in alignment. Right. Which is why so many people struggle in business, because, you know, if you're trying to sell something and you don't believe in it, whether it's a product or an idea um, you know, that is evident to people. We've all experienced salesmen that were trying to sell us something and we know their inner dialogue was, oh my God, I got to pay the rent or my child needs new braces, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. we can feel that desperation or we can feel that disconnect between someone's thoughts and what's actually coming out of their mouths. And, you know, so that's why it's so important to start noticing what your inner dialogue is and noticing where you're passionate Because if you're doing something you don't love or something that doesn't inspire you, you're probably inauthentic all over the place and you're just not noticing it. Yeah, or nobody's calling you on it. That's the big thing. You may not notice, but somebody's got to call you on it. And if you are doing that and somebody does call you on it, don't feel bad. Just thank Mm -hmm. them and recognize it and go on. It's not something to be embarrassed about or upset that you made that mistake or anything, just move along with it and thank them for the time and the interest because they cared enough to say something. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that drives the very authentic, vulnerable culture of the Evolutionary Business Council is that we believe in saying something to each other when we see someone, you know, moving off the rails or disconnected from who they say they want to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love that the Evolutionary Business Council isn't always trying to sell each other. They're trying very hard to support each other and move everybody forward. But it's not a selling fest like some communities are. Yeah, well, in fact, we've got rules against that. That's right. (laughs) You don't get to stick around very long if your reason for coming in is just to sell to the other members. Um, but you know, it's, it's really fun and, you know, I don't even know what the word, it's a joyful experience to witness some of the miracles that can happen when you put people together who believe in miracles, you know? Yes, I agree. I agree. And I, you know, it's so awesome to connect with everyone because they're such big leaders and they have they're really, really heavy duty thinkers <laughs> way out of the box, you know, and I'm thinking sometimes when they're talking, I'm going, oh, man, I got to get way out of my nine dots on that one <laughs> just to, to try and get it into my head. You know, they're I mean, they have such big thoughts. Yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, in your book, you talk about building relationship with um the influential in order to build influence in your community. But how do you get past the gatekeepers? I think that's the toughest thing to do. How do you get them to look at what you're doing? Yeah, well, you know, it's really, it's no different than any relationships you want to build. It's just people get around influential people, they get really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know, I know. Um, you know, and you see it at networking events all the time, right? Where, you know, usually the most influential person in the room will be the guest speaker on the stage. And they'll come off stage and there'll be a lineup of people waiting to give them a product sample or their book, you know, and Mm -hmm. really when you think about it, 
that's a lot like going to the new neighbor you just met. And the first thing out of your mouth would be, you know, oh, you're so going to love my kids. I know you're really going to enjoy babysitting them. You know, because giving giving someone influential a product sample now that does this doesn't apply in every case. It's like if your product sample is chocolate, you can get away with it. <laughs> you yeah. Know, in most that. cases, though, that's all about you. It's not about them. It's sort of like saying, you know, on the QT, I want you to endorse my product. Um, it's sort of like saying, or if you're asking to buy them a coffee or lunch, it's sort of like saying, I want an hour of your time for the price of a $5 coffee. And, you know, to use an extreme example, an hour of Oprah Winfrey's time ain't worth the value of a $7 coffee, right? So you got to start recognizing that there's a different set of etiquette that applies to the highly influential. And most of us have really good instincts when we're meeting people, how to kickstart um, what you might call a cycle of reciprocity. Reciprocity is what builds relationships. That's a term Sean DePerrin, Dr. Sean DePerrin coined, cycle mm-hmm. of reciprocity, but it's how we build relationship. But for some reason, we forget that principle when we meet influential people. People get a little desperate. They start thinking, oh my God, this is my one chance. You know, it's somebody really famous. It's Jack Canfield. It's Richard Branson. I better ask them to endorse my book or I better ask them to sample my product. And they forget what they normally know about reciprocity, which is that normally when you want to build reciprocity, you would give first mm-hmm. and you would ask for something until some relationship is built. Right. Right. And that's where it comes to, you have to start to learn what's the equivalent of the lasagna or the apple pie that you would bring to the new neighbor when you want to meet the new neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. And in the world of influence, influential people give influence to build relationship, right? right? You and I are doing it right now. I, I big you up all the time to my own following because I love your show and I think it's brilliant. Thank you. And you're gifting me influence by having you on my show. Now, we were already, you know, full disclosure, Shirlene and I were already friends before any of that happened Mm -hmm. in many other ways. But but you'll see that happening with influential people all the time where, and this isn't an inauthentic, like, you don't just randomly go around bigging people up, right? It's about you find those people that you really do admire and you're a raving fan of their work, I would big you up any day of the week, Charlene Reeves, because I'm such a huge fan of what you teach, right? Uh-huh, thank you. You know, but at the same time, you know, I do 30 or 40 interviews a month. I right. say no to a dozen because I don't resonate with the host. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be on a show that I would be uncomfortable shouting out their show. Mm-hmm. Right? I get so, that. So that's how people tend to work, right? And I mean, that's just one example. But but if you start to notice, influential people build reciprocity by helping and endorsing each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why we don't have to throw offers at each other all the time. That's, oh, that's what makes it so nice. We just get to be, we are who we are, so to speak, right? We just, we get to be the person that we are and do what we do and yet still give from our heart. And that's a big part of what I try to teach is how to give from your heart and really care about the other person and their well-being and support what they're doing. And anybody in community knows that both Teresa and I do that. And if you take that lead, you don't ever have to sell. You just love people into it. Right, Teresa? Selling is really just an offering of service. Yep. And, you know, and I know, I know, you know, this, I'm just basically (laughs) reiterating, right? Uh You know, when you're of such high service to people that, you know, they just want more then selling just becomes another step in the Mm -hmm. relationship. Right, exactly. So, you know, I have in my community, a lot of people who are in the midst or wanting to write a book. May I ask you a question about your book? Mm-hmm. You know, it says that you got your book to number one in eight months. How did you do that? I know they're all wondering how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, in fact, you know, it was the, the first three books I did um, were all children's books. I wrote, wrote them to raise money for a charity I had started. It was probably uh, 13 or 14 years ago now. And um, it was the fact that I took all those books to bestseller so quickly that had people coming at me in droves saying, oh, my God, Teresa, how did you do that? And would you teach me how? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I started teaching courses, which I still teach actually online called how to become a bestselling author. I actually teach this realm. And it was because, you know, I had spent my whole career as someone who led big change initiatives. Um, and I really understood how to create energy around something. I just hadn't been doing it for something I loved, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I started doing it for something I was a little bit more passionate about, you know, basically these three books were raising money to help um, a charity I was supporting build schools in Africa. Um, then everything that I already knew just came together so beautifully that the, the books just went epidemic, you know. Mm-hmm. And really a bestseller book is nothing more than a word of mouth epidemic around your book. And mm-hmm. the more you have influential people who know, like, and trust you, and they just don't shut up about you, um, the easier it is to have anything you do go wildfire. You know, I, I was really humbled by the results that Mass Influence had when it launched because, you know, I kind of expected that it would probably be big just because so many people had gotten so excited about helping on the launch. Mm-hmm. But we put up the pre-sale page. You know, we were still checking for typos. And and, uh, and the book hit number one. And, and it was like a month before the official launch. And then we started checking in other countries and the book was already going on the bestseller list all over the world. And I remember, I remember sitting down crying because I was just so, it was such an emotional moment. And I realized that that was the gift the Evolutionary Business Council was giving me um, for having the courage to create that organization. Because when I looked at what was going on on social media, it was like, you know, we had pulled our finger out of the hole in the dike and everything was bursting loose. There was members all over the world talking about how excited they were that the pre-sale page was up. Mm. And, um, and, you know, the book has stayed on the bestseller list in seven countries ever since. And, mm-hmm. you know, in and out of the number one position, depending on how many radio interviews I do any given month. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's, it was a very humbling book. experience that, that really showed me, you know, in a very intimate and personal way, um, the gift that your relationships can be to you. Mm-hmm. And I want to give you the name of the book again for those of you who are listening. It's called Mass Influence, The Habits of the Highly Influential. And it just came out last year. And it is a phenomenal book. I absolutely loved reading it. I really did. So we're going to take a break for just a minute. And then when we come back, I'm going to ask Teresa, how do we become one of the top influencers in our industry? Be right back. Hi, I'm Shirlene Reeves with Maximize Your Wealth Now with a new tip on how to maximize your wealth. What if you could compel your clients rather than selling them so that they would work with you? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't it be easier to have more income? I talk to entrepreneur after entrepreneur, and they're running from networking group to networking group, and they're so tired. And the reason they're tired is because they're not making any money, and they don't know how to work with their perfect clients. What if I said to you, compel, don't sell, and I could give you the tips for how to do that. I'm tearing back the curtain, and I'm going to show you how I built my business from zero to multi-millions, and I want you to make multi-millions too. So check it out on my website, MaximizeYourWealthNow.com, and get signed up for the next class. I promise you, I guarantee you, you won't be sorry. I invested in Shirlene's uh, Compelled to Sell sales training program, and I just knew immediately that she was the person that I wanted to work with. I came in wanting to know how to get more people I could talk to. And I also learned some things I didn't know that I didn't know. And now I know. At least I have a good idea. The reason I took this course was because I felt like there were a lot of new things that Shirlene had to offer that I had not 
experience before. That's why I took the class, is I wanted to sort of up-level my sales skills. And thank you, Shirlene, for this amazing class. In 10 weeks, eight Compel Don't Sell students made a total of $301,000. Isn't it time to make a compelling difference in your income? If you answered yes, call 188-889-9212. That's 188-889-9212 to register for the next Compel Don't Sell course and learn the art of selling with heart. Discover the secrets to the three-step sales waltz. Learn how to open a sales conversation and ask for the sale authentically in your own words. Dial to reserve your seat today. Dial 888-889-9212. I'm so glad you're back with us. This hour goes so fast, I can't believe it. So let's go right to Teresa. Teresa, tell us how to become one of the top influencers in our industry. You know, I get that question a lot, and I love it. It's a lot simpler than you might think. You know, the the most direct route to becoming highly influential is become the hub of the influencers in your industry. You know, and there's lots of ways you can do that. But anytime you create something where you have the ability to really hold up other influential people as as the leaders, as the icons. So that might look like you create a conference or maybe you create a networking group or maybe you create a radio show where you routinely interview them uh, or you create some kind of mastermind group. You know, and I talk about this at the end of my book, Mass Influence. Mm-hmm. But anytime you're the organizer of something that brings influential people together and shines a spotlight on them, then you almost gain the influence of all the people you bring together. Mm. So it's one of you, the best I, tactics you can do. I hope everybody understands what Teresa just said. You can create something that features other top influencing people. I hope you really got that because it's really not hard to do. She's absolutely right. And she does talk about it in her book and it's phenomenal. It's you've got to get her book. You'll absolutely love it. Like all the rest of the people do, which made her number one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. So Teresa, you have given us so many phenomenal words of wisdom. I'm so grateful that you took the time to be with us today. It's such an honor to have you on the show. And I'd like to ask you, do you have a final thought for us? Well, you know, I do have an exercise your listeners can do that I think would really serve them. It's my 30-day influence challenge. Do you mind if I mention that? Oh, please do. That was so much fun. I loved it. Yeah, because, you know, influence, I like to compare it to breathing, you know, there was a time in life you had to learn how to breathe, (laughs) and it was really hard, and then once you got it, you never thought about it again. The 30-day influence challenge is like that. It's really quick exercises you do every morning that help you understand the principles of influence, so you just start doing them. And you can do that challenge, plus you can get the digital version of my book we're now giving away for free. Um, so you can go to iTunes or Amazon or anywhere and download the ebook version. Um, it's so if you go to massinfluencethebook.com, we've got both the 30-day influence challenge and all of the links where you can get to or you can buy the, the hard copies of my book. But if you'd like the ebook version, we give that away. So massinfluencethebook.com. And I have to tell all of you that that 30-day challenge, boy, it was wonderful. In fact, it was really eye-opening. And some of it isn't that easy, I got to tell you. And I got a little <laughs> stumped. But it, like she says, it's like breathing. You becomes a habit once you get used to doing it. And it's not so hard that you can't do it. Right, Teresa? 
Absolutely. You know, it's, um, it, it's really a much simpler conversation than you see. And when you see people who get it, you know, they just walk into a room and they are influential. It's not like they take up 24 hours the day practicing that new skill. Yep. And so go ahead and reach out to her and get her ebook and then do the 30 day challenge. I know you're going to love it and it'll change the way that you do business. It certainly changed the way that I did business and it helped me with building my community. And many of you who are in my community are out there listening and you know how much I love all of you and appreciate who you are. And you too, Teresa, you are the best ever. Thank you so much for being with me today. It was just a joy, Shirlene. Thank you for having me. See you next week with Robert Allen. Oh, my gosh. You are going to love listening to him. He talks all about how he teaches ordinary people to achieve extraordinary success and financial freedom. And he's been teaching that for over 30 years. Can you believe that? And what I love most is he has been my mentor for over 20 years, and he teaches you how to make money while you sleep. And I even put a portion of that in my own book, Selling Through Your Heart, so that you'll get my perspective of it too. So we look forward to having you back next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific. We will see you then. Until then, go sell. Thank you for joining us on the Ascended Masters at Work show with spiritual life coach, Reverend Shirlene Reeves. We hope you found our message enlightening in a way that will change your everyday interactions in work and play. Share the love. Pass on our web address, ascendedmastersatwork.com, and if you have a great story to share, we'd love to have you on the show. This has been a Massive Visibility Media Production. Join us next week for the Ascended Masters at Work show. And while remembering the words of the late Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. We say Namaste.